How you doing, everybody? Matt from the Beer Massive Podcast, back with yet another episode. This week, we actually sit down with a longtime friend of mine, Brad. Uh, he's been on the old podcast, the old uh, Beer Geeks Radio, the old podcast. But he's been on the, um, the distribution side of the industry for quite some time, working for various companies around northeastern Pennsylvania before finally moving out to New York City proper and uh, slinging beer all around the boroughs. And uh, it's been a minute since uh, Brad and I have sat down and chatted about beer. With the pandemic hitting New York especially hard and, and all those businesses having to close their doors for extended periods of time and the shifting way beer lovers have consumed beer over the past you know year plus during the pandemic, I thought it'd be interesting to get Brad's take on uh, how the beer world functioned pre-pandemic in uh, Manhattan and the boroughs proper, um, how they worked during the peak of the pandemic in that area, and how they've changed and and what people are doing now as far as beer consumption and what they're doing and buying and and what he sees the future holds for New York, which I believe to be almost a microcosm of what most of us here uh, in the states will see uh, in the future you know new york typically leads the way on these kind of things so i'm curious to see what he has to say so sit back relax listen to me in an old friend chat with brad jones blue point brewing company new york city proper how you doing y'all matt beer massive podcast back with a with another show and this one i'm kind of looking forward to because hanging with friend and this is the first podcast i'm doing in person like with a human since god a year and a half, maybe two years ago. Now with my boy Brad Jones. Brad Jones from uh, Blue Point Brewing and all kinds of things beer. What's going on, homie? Nothing. What's going on, man? It's good to be here. Yeah, it's been a, been a while. You know, going back to, geez, when's the last time I've been on one with you? <laughs> Honestly? Two, two years ago? Two and a half years ago? Oh, God, dude. It's, it had to be quite quite some time. You know what it was? It was probably the last one I did in my, um, and was it in my um, dining uh, kitchen in Durier? Were you there for that one? No, I think I think the last time I was on something with you, uh, it might have been what's it called? It um, elementary, elementary mm. or equilibrium when we, we wow. when we were on the road trips. There you go. You yeah. Know. So pre-pandemic. Um, yeah. And uh, just actually sit. I mean, full disclosure, we were chugging beers about three days ago. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's not like we haven't seen each other in a while. But prior to that, we haven't seen each other in a while in person. But uh, yeah. we end up having my son's kind of um, kind of uh, sip and see, kind of meet and greet kind of thing for close friends and family. Brad came up. I was like, let's do a podcast. And we didn't get to it that day because of, uh, yeah, beer, beer and mead. Lots of, lots of beers. And meads. <laughs> yeah. and, um, and then we're like, okay, let's do it um, remotely. And then he's like, you know what, dude? I'm just I'm just coming up, coming through that way. Let's just uh, pop in and do it back in person. So this is pretty fun for Thanks for stopping by, brother. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Uh, for those who don't know, Brad, if you haven't been watching the channel, listening to the podcast, you, um, I mean, really, you were on the old radio show. It's been that long since yeah. since you've been kind of doing this stuff. And we kind of met, we met previous to beer, but we kind of became friends through beer because um, you were used to come into my previous line of work, which is the tattoo shop, and get, get tattooed by uh, one of the tattoo artists there. And then we just bonded over, what was it, uh, some toboggan? Yeah, it was uh, hot wings and chocolate uh, porters. <laughs> chocolate, no, chocolate box. Chocolate box. There you go. Chocolate box and hot wings at, yeah. a, at a local tavern. Yeah, the town our... tavern. Yeah. And best wings in the universe. Not the best service, but the best wings in the universe. <laughs> <clears throat> and um, and then it went from there. And uh, kind of uh, catch people up on what your journey in beer has been like. Where have you started? Where have you been? And where you at, where you at now? Okay, like I started with... Uh, a uh, local wholesaler in the Poconos of part of Eastern PA. Uh, Budweiser Wholesaler, we covered four counties in around there, and I, I went from on-premise, off-premise, you know, kind of did the whole shebang there, like if, from grocery stores to bars. Um, I was there for about six years, I think, six or seven. And then, you know, was looking for something new, and it was my choices were Philadelphia or New York City, and I always was in love with New York. So I uh, started applying for jobs. I ended up going to uh, Flying Dog for a hot second in New York City, was working with them. And then uh, opportunity came up to go back kind of into the Budweiser family with Blue Point and uh, just took the opportunity. It was smaller territory, you know, um, more focus on like a brand that I could really grow with. And so that's where I'm at now. You know, like I said, um, I've covered all five boroughs, Long Island, um, with 
Blue Point, I started uh, Lower Manhattan. You know, so a lot of the East Village, Lower East Side, and then I currently am covering the central part of Brooklyn. Okay. <clears throat> and then that's, I mean, you're talking about New York City proper. I mean, that's that's yeah. that's that's crazy. But from, like, a logistical standpoint, pre-COVID, like... What was it? What was the beer market like for Blue Point? Because you're talking about an ABM Bev product, you know yeah. what I mean? You're talking about some, you know, a, a brewery that's but also been part of New York staple for God, how long? Uh, Blue Point been around? Nin- 1998, so 23, 23 years now. Yeah, so I mean, you have that kind of luxury of one having a known brand, two um, being entrenched in New York, but some people might say, okay, ABM Bev, what was that fight like when you were doing like distribution for a brand that people might not consider craft? Um, you know, you, you do get catch a little bit of that, that, you know, you, you're part of a corporation and you're not the same brand. But, I mean, the same leadership is in um, intact. Like Mark Burford, the owner and the starter, head brewer, everything. He's still brewer emeritus with us. He still sits in on decision-making and stuff like that. But that the... Um, the climate, like the feel, is still there. It's still blue, blue, blue point. You know, um, I had a former employee of mine or colleague of mine. He said, um, "We're still the same assholes with uh, a crazy uncle that has money." <laughs> you know, and that's kind of the best way you could put it. Um, we're still the same people. You know, it's our sales team's fourteen people in the New York metro area. You know, and it, we're just out there every day doing what we're supposed to be doing, and you know. We're the brand itself, you know, as much as people want to be like, oh, you're owned by somebody, it's still craft beer lovers in New York City or outside of New York City also, you know, just who love the brand and are passionate about it. And it shows when we do events, you know, we want people to feel like they know what the brand's about, like come out to the brewery, have a good time. It's, a, you know, came out Long Island, small fishing town and um, I'm on the wall in the brewery and on the shirts for like the Bruce, uh, the production staff um, is one of the greatest sayings, I think. And it says, we brew it, we drink it. And if there's anything left, we sell it. <laughs> you know, and that's just kind of how the company goes. You know, if you're at a Blue Point event, it's probably going to be a good time. And there's going to be a lot of Blue Point people there um, getting drunk right alongside you. <laughs> well, did they still make that? What was the one I loved? Um, that, old, that old old barley wine. What was it? Um, oh, um, old Holland bastard. Yeah, they still make that. Yep. Oh, yeah, man, yep. I love that beer. I remember and, finding old gems of that laying around, all dusty and stuff. Yeah, you know, and we've kind of upgraded a lot of stuff now. Like, so we were a sixty barrel system for production, which is huge, and you know, for a craft brewery. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I said, it, it's more so we couldn't do cool things like one-off as fast as we wanted to, but now we actually have a innovation brewer and a seven barrel system. Okay. So like a, not, I don't even want to call it seven, seven barrels pilot system, Yeah, but it's more just a effing around system. Yeah. You know, cause we have the brew pub, we have a lot of just, you know, fans, you've been around for 23 years. You need to keep people happy and, and really, come up with some new stuff, new ideas, test new beers, and our pub's the easiest way to do it. So we have the seven-barrel system. We have a great innovation brewer, uh, Adrian, and he, you know, to the point where now we're, we're giving him ideas. And if he thinks it's a good idea and it has legs, he'll put it on the system. You know, so, and then not only that, but he, you know, tweaking classic recipes that we have. You know, because there's always something, you know, timing-wise or ingredient wise now there's better hops out there there's better you know better things so really just really excited to see what's going to happen and then we have um i always screw up saying these foiters yeah foiters you know so we we have foiters now um we actually are we did a collaboration with spotten oh um, last um Oktoberfest. Are they owned by InBev? Yeah, I think they're an InBev. Yeah, they're InBev. Europe. Yeah, Europe. And so we did um, a rye fest beer and then aged it. That was the first beer to go into the Foiters. And it was really, really great. Came out nice. Um, But, you know, there's getting back into the roots, like pre-AB, you know, um, Blue Point did a lot of barrel aging. They did a lot of different styles like we used to say yeah. like old howling bastard and then they had they would just always screw around with barrel aging you know 
when you're building a new brewery, sometimes things go by the wayside, and that had to be put on hold for a little bit to get everything up running where it's at. But now we're at the point where we're starting to expand again. Nice. Yeah. What was that? But um, what percentage of beer leaves the brewery? It has to be, or the tap room, I should say. Like it has to be a good percentage. It goes into cans and kegs, right? You probably do a ton of kegs, I would imagine. Right? Oh yeah, yeah. at like, least pre-pandemic. Yeah, I mean, most of our businesses. We're in twenty-four states now. I think, yeah. but basically the whole East Coast. Um, they were at one point in all forty-eight lower, and then um, pulled back. It just wasn't, you know. Yeah. Was it wasn't really selling and, and making the money to ship it across, like the the country. But um, yeah. So like I mean, most of us stuff is still, um, you know, outside of the pub, outside of like Long Island area. I mean, Long Island's still strong. The whole island is one of our best markets. You know, the, the love has been there for twenty three years. Um, surprisingly, Florida is like our next biggest market is that because there's just a bunch of ex islanders down there I, guess? I, I think so but also like a big craft beer area um mm-hmm. and then you have places like Publix yep. that are just monsters you yeah. know so you get in there you, you get you get some buy one get one deals going and it cranks out some beer we actually we actually created a beer that was specifically for Florida and then it was so good we had to put it onto the market for everyone else <laughs> and it was it's called Imperial Sunshine it's a 9.6% Belgian wheat that's just jammed with Florida oranges. It sounds like scary beer. Like, you drink it, you're like, oh, this is tasty. And then, like, four later, you're like, I'm in trouble. Yeah. Is that beer? Yeah, it's Sea Legs beer. <laughs> like, you, you stand up at, get to, you know, go use the restroom, and you sit back down real quick. Whenever I hear that, I think of that scene in um, Days and Confused where a guy's sitting in the back of the truck. <laughs> and he gets up, and he just sits right back down. That's, that's like, the classic one of that. What was it? I mean, because when did you start at Blue Point? Uh, I'm just over two years now. Just over two years now. So you're like, uh, you know, a year before the pandemic is kind of like when you got in there. Yeah. What take us from where you started and what it was like and how things changed, how rapidly they changed. Not necessarily through the whole pandemic, but yeah. that first kind of wave going into like midsummer, uh, fall of 2020. Okay. Yeah. So I started February 19 or March of 19. Um, just really easy to sell beer. I mean, in New York City, it, not simple, but, it, you know, places were up and running and cranking through beer. So pretty easy to get it on the shelf, get it into the bars, and get it out there. Um, then I switched markets March. <laughs> Here you go. I switched markets February of 20. So position comes open in Brooklyn. I live in Brooklyn. So they said, hey, like, you know, why don't you take that position, fill in that role, and you know we'll, we'll ex- like fill a, the, your your role in Manhattan back up. I said, yeah, okay. Um, two weeks later, the pandemic hit. Yeah, like literally, yeah. like literally. So March sixteenth, I think, was the pandemic, and uh, yeah, yeah, March sixteenth was the last day I worked at yeah. my current job and started working from home permanently. You know, and we we were all optimistic. You know, everyone, it was in that, oh, it's going to be two weeks thing. It's yep. going to be two weeks. We'll be we fine. Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. And how did that go? Like, I mean, like, what were you, not, you don't have to disclose, like, actual sales number, but, like, it, I mean, it had to be just insane. You don't, it's not even a matter of sales. It's like, nobody knew when it was going to end. No, so you're like, okay, you couldn't even project what you're going to do. Like, how much beer do you give me to sell? Can I sell beer? Where can I sell beer? Yeah, and then you also have to look at the fact that most major breweries and most major wholesalers, you're on a forecast system. So on a forecast mm-hmm. system, like, they're yep. going six weeks out. Yep. Saying that that's what they want. Well, so March hits, and there's already six six weeks worth of beer in the pipeline. Yep. You know, that the wholesaler has to worry about, that everyone has to worry mm-hmm. about, and that's kegs and things like that that are just... I mean, essentially went dead. Yeah. Um, so I said, like, so March 16th hits. I'm at an account. We got the news that, like, from the governor that it was, like, 8 o'clock at night or 10 o'clock at night that night was, like, end of people going out to bars and it has to be to-go business after that. And, um, yeah, it was just we had no clue what was going to go on. And, you know, I, I 
people way above me that have better ideas of, of logistics and everything like that, how to make those decisions of what goes into bottles and cans versus what goes into kegs. You know, the core stuff still was being kegged for us. You know, there was still Toasted Lager and like Optical Illusion and some other brands, but most of it went right over to cans and bottles, you know, because that's where the markets shift. So that, that first couple months of the pandemic, you know, we were just in grocery stores, uh, convenience stores, everything, you know, drug stores, just anywhere we can go. Um, but, but mainly, like, it was, like, just trying to make sure that your brand was on the shelf. Yes. Because pantry loading was so huge. You know, if somebody could only get out of the house one day a week, they went out and they bought four cases. Yes. You know, and it was all grocery store or, you know, if you if your neighborhood had a home distributor, there's not many in New York. Um, but, yeah, so usually it was your big grocery stores were t- getting the business or your local bodegas and things like that. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it would just – it was really unknown. It, it probably took until about June, I would say, for us to kind of get into a groove – but you're getting into a groove and still don't know. Like, is it going to end tomorrow? Is it going to end two weeks from now? How long are we going to be into this? What what Do you know what percentage of your beers were, were uh, like, taproom, can, bottle, and keg? I don't know the percentage on that. I know, basically, we're a 75% to 80% on-premise brand um, pre-pandemic. You know, you cannot make up for keg loss. There's no way. Yeah. Um... A friend of mine owns a bottle shop in in New York and in Greenwich Village, and we we've had conversations with him, and he probably put it the best way I think anyone could. Um, he said, "If you have a good day at work, you go out to celebrate. If you have a bad day at work, you go out to commiserate." And that's what draft beer in New York City is. You know, if someone got a promotion, let's go out happy hour. You know, having a shitty day, let me go out and just hammer beers yes you know so like that type of loss is insane you can't make it up you know but now like i said a lot of companies is just 2020 was a wash you know your numbers don't matter i mean you you know you not you i mean you as a company were lucky for a couple different reasons one you already had the infrastructure in place for canning and, and bottling you didn't have to worry about you know pivoting and figuring that whole process out but two when you know people kind of i guess you know uh, snickering jeer at blue point being sold to abn but you do have that that rich uncle that'll that'll uh, keep you afloat you know yeah. what i mean like you do you have that luxury um did was there a lot of loss at the company um during that period or a lot of people i mean you you were there did they survive pretty well as far as keeping people employed yes so we didn't we didn't furlough anyone um and i am lucky in that sense like i said i i i'm active with communicating with other craft beer reps and other reps not just in u.s or not just in new york city but like through facebook and groups and things like that i mean 90 percent of the industry had to be furloughed yeah I mean, e- easily 90% of, yeah. of the sales force. Yeah. Um, you know, so like I said, it really was just, I lucked out in that fact. And it was, it was weird for me. It was almost, um, almost like survivor's guilt. Like I wouldn't talk about it. Yeah. Even amongst, even amongst other people, because you didn't know who was furloughed and who wasn't and who was late, you know, or who even got laid yeah. off or fired straight out, you know, because some of the smaller brands, it was just like, there was no furloughing. It was Okay, see ya. Yeah, see ya. Yeah, you know, so it, it it was a weird situation there. You know, you want to talk business with people that are familiar with what you do, but then it's also, am I talking to somebody that's actually still working, or am I talking to somebody that just lost their job and, like, has to move back home now? Yeah, I mean, it's a very similar situation for me. Um, not that I work in the beer industry, but, like, I work for a company that they're, they increased in our sales increased 80% during the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, you know, I have a lot of people stressing about work and jobs and stuff. And I'm like, I'm, we need, I'm so busy. I don't know what to do. And it's like, do is that sound like a, a dick to say that? Because yeah. like other people are struggling. Was there anything, what was it like though? Uh, especially, you know, New York is like, you know, they were pretty much the epicenter of COVID for a, a long period of time. Not necessarily what it was like going through COVID. I'm sure personally that was yeah. probably your head was spinning the whole time. And and we can definitely touch on that. But like, was was it just keeping your head down? Like, who? what were you selling? 
who are you selling to? Like from that March sixteenth to probably what right around the election is when yeah. that was the the big kind of uh, big big um, swath of time that was crazy. You know, you still had a couple bars and restaurants that were quick to adapt mm-hmm. um, to to go items, and you know we tried to do our best to help out, and plus like you had some lax. Like a little bit of laxation or whatever, like releasing um, some of the laws where like it, you could do to go in a plastic cup with a lid. Yeah, it's closed. Now, yeah, but it's a closed container. You know, so there was a lot of that. Like um, if the bar was open, try to get you know help them out. If we had plastic cups that we can get for them, you know, also it just helps like getting your brand out there and it's, it supports your keg that's on and everything like that. But I mean, there's. I guess, like, you know, hard time breeds creativity Yeah. type of thing. There were some amazing bar owners and, and, and managers that I worked with that pivoted real fast and, you know, saw what was coming and how to get around it. I mean, it was difficult for a lot of them. They had way more regulations and laws and things that they had to do and the city saying one thing and the state saying another, you know, and, you know, that kind of back and forth between like the Blasio and Cuomo and you know whatever. Well, ultimately, what Cuomo says is law in the state. You know, even though the city might be like, "Oh, you can do this," but you can't. <laughs> yeah. You know, so they had a million hoops to jump through, and but you know, basically at that point, I'm 95% off premise at this point. I'm in grocery stores. You know, just trying to make sure my stuff is in displays and on on the floor in the cooler. And then really, I mean, a lot of it was helping the wholesaler, you know, because like not only were we not knowing what was going on, they weren't knowing what was going on and they're shorthanded, you know, because some people did get furloughed through them. And so there was packing out stores, you know, there was days of that's all I did, just go and pack out an order. Yeah. You know, and my company was great and really did help us out. And, you know, safety was number one. They got us masks, gloves. Uh, hand sanitizer, like, you know, plus the fact that we were distilling and making our, like, our own through the AB system. You know, we were getting our hands on things that in my neighborhood you couldn't get your hands on. Yeah. You know, and it was, and so it was, it was great to see that, like, safety was the number one. It didn't matter, like, at, in the, it didn't matter. It was, it was get out early, get your work done, get home. Yeah. You know, and then when you were home, busy work, you know, some, Networking, run, run, yeah, yeah run, run reports, yeah. meetings online, things like that. But yeah, basically, like I said, it, it went all off premise. Um, but I would have to say, geez, um, we were one of four companies that I can think of that worked throughout the pandemic. Like when it comes to that, I think it was like Docs, Hard Cider, Us, Bells, and one other people. Like you know, yeah, that was it. Yeah, in in all of New York, that's all I. I that's whoever I ran into that you know I mean some people were work from home yeah you know like some but after bit, yeah. foot in the, feet in the pavement kind of stuff yeah too, yeah. yeah it was said there was like four or five um, brewery reps you know type of thing or breweries that were out there and it was just crazy to see you know and really my focus and my mentality was just you got to understand that some people's livelihood is on the line with these bars and restaurants. Yeah. You know, so it was really just doing as much as I could to make sure that they had what they needed, you know, um, giving them san- masks, hand sanitizer, gloves, you know, things like that. If I had extra I w- and I asked them and they said, yeah, here you go. You know, cause it, it, it was just, that was the biggest thing was safety is just making sure that everyone out there, you know, actually I think I still have it. Like it's, yeah. <laughs> it's still like ingrained in me. I still have it around my my neck at all times, type of thing. If I'm outside the house, it's still on, and if I have to pull it up, you know. What, talk about that. Talk about it from a personal sample. What was it like, man? Like because you, you know you're talking about Ground Zero stuff, and it had to be a trip traveling to New York, working when it was probably what. How how active was the city? Like was there even people doing things? Like what was it like? I had a I had a day. I don't know what I was doing. I was in Times Square and there was two people and it was two o'clock on a Wednesday or something like that. I mean, that's, 
that if anything can encapsulate what the hell I was in Times Square with two people besides myself in the midweek during during you know busy rush hour like I am legend stuff yeah yeah um no it was bad it was real bad um my neighborhood at one point was 70 percent infected I think 71 percent um my zip code is 96,000 people Right, um, you saw people getting carried out in body bags daily, out, out like on the route going between stores, and you're just seeing EMTs pulling bodies out. You know, so it was bad, and it was you know it hit us just so hard and so fast, and it was it was in the city way before anyone said it was. Yeah. Um, now now I think there's a report out there that says like November of nineteen was the first case in, in New York City. But, I mean, g- come February, before even before like people were really talking about it, you know, in the industry, you just heard, oh, so-and-so was out, really bad flu. So-and-so was out, really bad flu. You know, and it was all bartenders and waitresses and, and, and salesmen. Yeah. You know, because you're in a major city and you're frontline. The with, major city yeah, in the world. Yeah, and, and you're frontline <laughs> and, and front with tourists. Yeah. You know, and Asian business is big in New York City, like banks and everything. Yeah. You know, so like I said, I mean, and not even that. Like, you have people coming in from all of through Europe. You know, like, I don't even know. I can't even tell you when they, they restricted travel. It was, wasn't, you know, in February it was still open travel. Yeah. You know, in between countries. Yeah. You know, so like I said, it was just, but you, you had those things and, you know, did I get sick or did I not get sick? Don't know. You know, I got sick in February. But I didn't have anything too bad. It was like a three-day flu. Yeah. But I hardly ever get sick. You know, and then, like, someone else got sick on my team and, you know, whatever. And we we were lucky. But, I mean, there's a lot that weren't. Yeah. Um, just, I'll, I'll stick to people that survived that I know. Like, um, you know him. Yep. Our, our good friend Tom. Yep. Um, 21 days. 104 fever. On reducing medicines. Yeah. Um, didn't know where he was. You know. I mean, just as his friend, to not even be able to go over to, like, do anything, because yeah. you, you don't want to go near him. You know, like, it, it was tough. Um, another another person in um, kind of the, the beer group that we have at Carmine Street Beers and, and the share that we do and stuff like that um, is another friend of ours. He was, like, 22 days in ICU. You know, like... It was just tough. It was tough, like to to even see it or hear it. No, or I mean, I, I I blocked a lot of it out. Yeah, I mean, I, I I got lucky. You know, I had it in November of last year, and so did my wife when she was pregnant. And we were just terrified, but we had nothing. We had a you know, I tested positive. She didn't, but she got tested. She got tested before I I was symptomatic, and she got tested when I got tested, and she wasn't sick yet. So then she got sick. So we're just assuming she had it because we yeah. both we both lost sense of smell um i had it worst worst thing i had was you know sniffles you know so i'm always one of the infinite lucky ones but like i you know it ended up most likely being passed to me through my workplace and you know the one owner of the company he was in, in the hospital you know on a ventilator yeah. you know so it's like one of those things where it's like you know it's because people come out of it doesn't mean it's whatever but yeah, I mean, it had to be insane. Like, it, 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 just, it, I mean, just logistically thinking about, like, walking around New York City and not people being around, it just, it's got to be the most surreal experience. Was there a time, uh, if it's actually happened yet, did you get to the point where, like, it, you've turned a corner or something flipped where you feel like things are on a better track? Like, you, you're like, things are, are mending, yeah. things are coming. Like, was there a specific point or the one day you just looked around and went, holy shit. I think, like, honestly, start a vaccination with us. Like, in New York City, um, we started getting it earlier than and getting it out, and New York City is very efficient. Um, you know, I got mine done at the Javits Center. That was a weird experience. Yeah. Um, places that you usually went for thousands, thousands <laughs> and thousands of people being there, and there wasn't. And then there's, like, some weird futuristic, like, uh, post-apocalyptic person speaking over a loudspeaker in six different languages <laughs> about like stay, stay six feet apart, have your mask on. And then there's armed, armed army and like national guardsmen there. Mm-hmm. Kind of weird. Um, but no, like that was probably the beginning of that. So like, I would say February, March 
you know, a year later this year, you know, was kind of the beginning. You started seeing things open up more. And now, I mean, we, there was a lot more restrictions and, and you still had all that stuff with the bars and restaurants. But end of March, beginning of April, like the weather was good enough that people can be sitting outside again, you know, and, and being around like, and that, that was when things started picking up. Now, um, Memorial Day was like, the switch. Yeah, that's like, like the big switch. It, it was, <laughs> you know, people were just, you could just tell people were tired, sick of it. You know, even if it, like, even if it wasn't going to be like full open, people were like, I'm still going to do something. I'm yeah. still going to go out. I'm still going to have fun. I'm still going to go. It feels a year away and it's only like a month ago. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, uh, the last two months for me have felt like two weeks of how busy we've been. Um, but also March feels like it was a year ago. Yeah. And that's the weird thing. It really is. Like I said, it's uh, last two months have been hectic, real hectic. Like bars are opening at a big, like big pace. Like, it, it, but it's not just opening. Like, some most of them have been reopened, but some didn't. Like, you have some people that own buildings and didn't really have to reopen, and maybe have a smaller staff, and they, you know, they didn't do that. Like, they didn't have to be open, but now they're starting to open again. Well, let's talk about that from like yeah, from from the blue point side of things, from the beer distribution side of things. Like, when you get into you know January, February, till now, like how has things changed as far as like percentage of you know business and not not hard numbers, but you know business to distribution to what's going cans, how are kegs moving now, and like those kind of things. I think we're almost we're almost really back to almost normal with how our distribution was, um, where kegs like the split between our production. You know, um, right now I said there's so many things reopening and, you know, we're, we're considering 23 states, not just the, the, the metro area. So, you know, like, so our kegs are back up and running, you know, we're, um, doing full brands again, you know, like everything's, everything's running. Um, we have a rotational series that comes out, like switches back and forth between a hoppy, like hazy type, um, illusion series and then the imperial series and you know we're getting those out in kegs now that was can only kind of with a few kegs in the beginning but now you're getting more distribution on those kegs and things like that so like i said we are getting back to normal and and um it's good to see you know it's good to be but there's still that hesitancy you know especially on the wholesaler side um they have i mean because we're only focusing i'm only focusing on my brand yes you know, you go to the wholesaler, they have a hundred different breweries. You know, they have, yeah. to, they have to focus on way more than we have to focus on. You know, so they, they're, they're, they're still a little hesitant. They would rather run out of stuff than to overload on stuff, yeah. which is understandable. Um, but it used to be the other way around. I'd be like, yeah, take it. we'll take yeah. it because then we'll sell it. And if not, then you take it back or something. You know what I mean? Like now they're just like, yeah. we don't want to buy too much just in case. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, I can't even imagine the numbers of what they like dropped yeah and what they had to damage and like i mean and i said there there's some breweries that buy back there's some that have no buyback system there's some that split 50 50 and co-op it and things like things along those lines so you you, i mean each brewery is different but like if you have a smaller brewery they're not gonna be able to buy back their product yeah or help you out with it most times you know so that might be complete loss or sell it like fire sale it but where you're putting kegs when there's no kegs to be, you know, when they're, because yeah. I said, I mean, even places that I know that, that, uh, were like 20 tap systems, maybe we're only running four throughout the pandemic, you know, and maybe now they're up to 10, you know, so like I said, not, not everyone's running full system yet. Not everyone's doing that, but it's slowly getting there, you know, and I think what you're seeing more now too, is like the bigger venues, um, event spaces. That's like, that's, I think that's what, kind of like the barometer so like royal palms shuffleboard club is like back up and running they're not fully 100 percent um open to the public that like i think when they do saturday sunday it's more like you have to rent the lane mm-hmm. but as of yesterday the mass mandates we hit 70 percent, so we hit like the herd immunity yesterday um and so they're gonna they drop the social distancing and like the contact tracing and the temperature checks and things like that. So I think coming up in this week and then definitely going into July 4th, I think by July 4th, you're going to see 
like all the big venues, all the big event spaces, like being back to normal. I, I bought uh, concert tickets today. That's crazy. Like I mean, yeah. And, well, uh, I mean for oh no, for no, fall. But it's like you know, very optimistic. But the fact that I can even buy a concert ticket for fall was optimistic. Oh, there was, um, there was a show like, who was it? it like it was a hardcore show in, in um, Tompkins Square. There was like twenty five hundred people. Oh jeez. Uh, no, I, I no, I'm not going till like the end of September. No, this this, <laughs> this was April oh, <laughs> or something like that. It was uh, yeah, like I said. So New York's getting back to there, and, and I know people that work at like places like the Knitting Factory and. Um, like Warsaw or or Vitus, St. Vitus, and they're starting to book again. So yeah. like you, you so like I mean, and that's I think Broadway just kind of started up again. Like some small soft openings for some of the theaters and things like that. So like I said, it's it's really coming back. It's come to, like I said, come July fourth. It's that's going to be you'll be able to see where it's at and what what the city's looking like. But we're optimistic. It's coming back. But the only problem is, I mean, people that are way smarter and, and, and do, you know, studies on these things, I think right now, anywhere between like 5,000 and 6,000 bars and restaurants in New York City are done. Like that, that's an actual number. Yeah. Um, they're estimating another five. Because you have to also take into effect, uh, into effect like, you know, people that just left. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I know a ton of people just moved out of the city whether it be because yep. of a pandemic whether it had no job whatever so i mean i know somebody that moved back to new york because the rent was so cheap yeah i think half half of the upper west side is in miami yeah <laughs> yeah or something like that but no i mean you did see a lot of that there, there was there was some really good deals quote unquote deals on apartments yeah you know because because rents are going down because people left the city but also, I mean, there's there's rent moratoriums in place right now, and it's like when that stuff gets lifted, what's going to happen? You know, like will and that that's like the bars and restaurants. I, I think the one the one thrillist or one of those yeah. people did like a survey in December. It was like yeah, I think it was December or January, January, and it was something like ninety four percent of bars and restaurants surveyed or whatever didn't pay rent in in December. Like, just couldn't afford to. Yeah. You know, even though there's, like, you know, it's not like they had, like, oh, you don't have to pay us. It was like, no, we can't pay you. And it was, like, just see what happens with the landlord says. Yeah. Yeah, so they said, but it is it is getting better. It's, it's starting to turn a corner. I think, like I said, come fall will be the real test, too, because right now we're still, you know, you're still in the summer. We're starting the summer. Well, a lot of New York in the summer, they go out to the Hamptons, they go to the Poconos, they go to the yeah. Jersey Shore. So you're not really seeing that full force yeah, when, weekend. When, when schools drinking. come back in and all the families have to come back and people are back yeah. in the city and stuff like that. I think September will be like the real, like Labor Day, September. But, yeah. You'll, you'll but, really get a sense for what's going on. But I mean, I I have the access to, to data for years and years and years back. And, you know, uh, my last two months in my territory... Uh, for bars, you're, you're you're almost compared to 2019 numbers when it comes to how much is going out and stuff like that. You know, so like I said, it, it's yeah, that's the initial buy. What's actually getting bought through or sold through might be a different thing. But if they're buying, at least they're they're projecting that people are going to be in their bar. What do you? How do you see New York City in the boroughs? Um, like, is it going to be different? Like, you know, there was a lot of stuff that changed, you know, whether it be takeout or, you know, door-to-door ordering, stuff like that. Is that shit going to get the kibosh, or do you see a lot of that sticking around? How's beers, how is beer going to change and how it's, you know, bought and drank and sold? I think, like, I think the internet and, like, the, the apps and things like that aren't going to go away. You know, so you're still going to have uh, your services, like, uh, Drizzly and those guys that deliver. Um, I think that's going to be a big part of just beer and wine and anything going forward you know especially if you're in a larger metro area you know the the, the ease of that that you know any any restaurant or bar or whatever that wants to sign up can sign up for the service and then it you know there's somebody that delivers or that has to be like delivering their stuff but you know i can sit in my apartment and have the option of 10 different places to buy beer from probably yeah yeah, or the other one too is like the the grocery store services, like the Instacart. Mm-hmm. They do the shopping for you. 
Yeah. You know, and all the beers are on there. You know, whatever's in the beer section. So you can just sit from home and get your whole order from Wegmans and get your get your beer delivered. You know, or if it's not delivered, it's cur- curbside pickup. Yeah. You know, you get ready and just walk in. It's already paid for. Grab it and go. Um, you know, I think that this is something that the bars that have done well with it can run with it and add it as an extra part of your business. But it's a double-edged sword. These companies are taking insane amounts of percentages yeah, off percent, of you. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. so, you you know, like either you're going to have to raise it for what you sell in, through those systems but like, if you raise it too much, Mark, yeah, yeah, you no raise it too, it. yeah. If yeah. you raise it too much, then why is someone gonna order it? Unless you really just don't want to leave your apartment and you want something delivered, you know. But that's, I think there has to be a fine line there. Like these, these apps and companies need to realize that like, you're taking too much of a chunk, yeah, off of a, a business that's barely getting by. Talk about um. What, what did you do beer wise during the pandemic? Like, what was your what was your, you know, beer consumption, beer buying, beer? Did you did you drink with friends during the pandemic? Did you go to bottle shares? Did you change the way that you consume beer at all personally? Um, I don't think we really had a bottle share or anything like that. Maybe once towards like beginning of this year, we maybe had six or seven people together yeah. in one spot. Um, you know, I, I didn't meet up small. Like at apartments with yeah, two or three friends, yeah, yeah. and you know we, we were still buying here and there. Especially, I mean, it made it a little bit easier, you know, because you could get stuff. A lot of these now hyped cans and hyped like pastry stouts and stuff or like that. Yeah. Yeah, or or they're deliverable, yeah. like you know, or they're like an online event. You know, so Equilibrium's doing, you know, Ticket Bright or Event Bright or whatever, and it can get shipped to you in New York City, like state. You know, so people like. There was definitely more of that. Um, my friends definitely are starting to whore out to Vore, like <laughs> or whatever, and just like buying a ton of stuff from them, you know. Like, uh, but yeah, like I said, for us, it, it or for me personally, like my my beer consumption, I'm I do it. I'm more like social drinking. I don't drink as much when I'm just by myself in my house. My THC consumption went through the roof. Like, uh, <laughs> I, I ate a, a ton of edibles throughout throughout 2020. Um, shout out Nico Nugs, lover. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like I said, but you, I mean, you kind of know me. I'm always yeah. I've always stockpiled with stuff. I mean, I have 30 Scotch bottles uh, in the apartment, a uh, bunch of stouts and things like that. So I mean, I would pick up beers here and there, but. Rarely was I just, like, sitting there, and if I did buy, like, an everyday, like, chugger, it would be just, like, pick up a 15-pack when I was out shopping, like, or out working. Yeah. Just grab toasted lager, bring it back to the house. Now, it's crushable and easy to drink type of thing, but, no, like, for me, it wasn't that big of a thing, and like I said, I think, you know, the turning point, like, around my birthday, like, middle of March... That was the first time, like, we got the group together. We, we, we went, actually, like, out. We went up to, to like, Drownlands and that area. Oh, yeah. I yeah, remember like, you telling me about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so that was, like, ten of us. I think we rented a house, you know, whatever. But that was kind of, like, the first big one. Um, and, and I think New Year's, we had, like, eight or ten people. But, yeah, like, trying not to, like, not the old bottle shares that we used to do where half half the bar's taken up with people that are at the bottle share, yeah. you know, and things like that. But, uh you know, I think it, it, after a while, you just got whatever your core circle of friends were, you were comfortable with. Yeah. So for me... Much uh, like people who have lived with families, and they're like, our family yeah. unit is our family unit. And so, you know, when people don't live with a family, and you know, their friends yeah. are their family unit. Yeah. And like I said, Tom already had it, so... Yeah. <laughs> so hanging out with him was, was easy. Like, you know, like, his, yeah. you weren't really worried about it then. Uh, Marquise, who's my team lead in Brooklyn and is also one of my best friends, you know, we were on the field together every day or almost every day for months. Yeah. You know, so hanging out with him was not anything that like, I, I would shy away from. You know, it, it was just, you just had to be careful, like, what you were doing and where you were at and how you handled yourself when you were out in public or in the stores, you know. Um, for a while there, the transportation, like the the subways, were awesome because it was just like they they were sanitizing them and they 
they were wiping things down and whatever, and there was less people. But then, like, there was a point, there was a choke point at one one point where it was like, the city's not open yet, but everyone's kind of back to work, and then they're running fewer trains, so then there was times that, like, you know... Too many people. Yeah, you're yeah. talking, like, November or last year or whatever, and you're on a train, and there's, it's, like, packed. It's like, well, you can't social distance, like, it doesn't yeah. matter, you're right on top of each other. Um, but now things are getting back to normal. I think, like, the MTA and everything is, like, back to, like, full running schedule, and mm-hmm. which, I mean, is weak at best <laughs> you know like there's always there was always you know delays and trains that are packed and things like that but you're seeing that like the rush hour stuff is there now yeah you know the the, the 2-5 is where I live on a bit of normalcy yeah there. like if you're at if you're on the 8am 9am like 2-5 like it's gonna be busy you know so that stuff's getting back like to, to normal and I mean the the height of the pandemic was great for me like with work because i could drive anywhere and there was like no traffic, no traffic. and and there was parking spots <laughs> and, and, and things like that so i mean that it had its they mo- should almost give you guys like a like a gold license plate to where you could park wherever you want because you work through you know what i mean be like hey i was here the whole time i'm allowed to park here no 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 fines or something like that you know there's a it's getting rough now like just in general because the the bars and restaurants are allowed to have outdoor seating even if they don't have space for outdoor seating. So what it does is it takes, like, the, the parking spots the, on the yeah. street and the, you have to build a structure that's, like, the New York Department of Transportation has to approve and things like that, but it takes away parking spaces. Yeah. Which, I mean, like, I, I mean, this is just me whining because yeah. I have to park multiple times a day. But that's, like, you know, it, it takes up spots, but, you know, if that's what we have to suffer through for businesses well, that, to be running and actually for me to have bars to go to... You know, I'm fine with it. I would imagine, and this is the case, and I kind of wanted to bring this up earlier, just didn't have a chance to kind of bring it up as, like, probably how awesome. Like, and I used the word awesome in in a weird way here, but how awesome it probably had to be at a certain extent to watch New York work through this. Because New York's kind of like that place where everybody's like, fuck you, but, like, if shit goes down, everybody's like, okay. Yeah. You know, we're going to fucking make it fucking work, and we're going to do what we need to fucking do. And that's the thing now, like, you know, you don't have parking space, I'm sure. People like, hey, you know, your cop's not going to fucking be like, move. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, like I said, it, it definitely is. But it, it it was, it's an experience like I'll never forget, you know, just the whole, like you said, like as as much as New York got shit on, like people were, you, you saw people being like looking out for each other. Yeah. You know, and, and being a little bit nicer. I mean that's starting to change now. <laughs> but, but we're going back. We're going back to like just fuck you, get out of our city. But uh, no, like I said, it, it was it was interesting in that way. Like there was a lot more of just like, hey, you stuck it out. Like almost to the point now where it's like people are that that left. You know, like the city's kind of like, well, don't come back. You know, like I said, it's like you know, and, and that mentality you could hear people say it like. Like, oh, like, where were you? Yeah. And, and like, and, and that's how I feel, too, is just, I mean, the city needed you the most. These restaurants and bars needed you the most. And you left. Yeah, but you can't fault somebody if they had the ability to leave and get out of that mess. I mean, I understand living yeah. there and then living in that kind of uh, in the environment and, you know, seeing that, that co-worker or friend or neighbor that stuck it out. Yeah. But if someone is like, you know, not I, for nothing, like if I hadn't lived in New York and I, and I had another place in the Poconos, oh, I'm fucking out. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, yeah. Like, like, I, like I said, it's, I understand why you do it. I mean, there's health reasons why you did it and stuff yeah. like that. And like, and the complete unknown of what this was. And, and I mean, no one's ever going to know until they finally look back on it years from now of just what this did. And, you know, I'm going to be someone's data point in a, in a doctorate thesis yeah. on 2020. You know, yeah. or something like it's that's the crazy part. It's like it's going to be called the Brad Jones Project, by yeah. the way. That's what it's actually going to be like. Brad Jones Project Coronavirus 2020, 2019 <laughs> to 2021. That was actually a softball team that I I ran. It's called the Brad Jones Project. There you go. But no, like, but I said, it, it really is just you live through history, you know, like it's it's a historical event that I mean, everyone that that has lived through this in some way or another, like, you know, your life was affected by it. There's a lot of people that aren't like, and I said this, I said this to people. There's a lot of people that aren't going to come out of 2020 ever. 
Men- mentally, we'll never come out of this no. year. You know, um, and I I'm thankful for what I had and what I could do and how I worked through it. Because if I was home every day, if I got furloughed and I was home, I probably would have ate a bullet or you know like or thought about it. Like I couldn't have done that. Like sitting in an apartment, twenty four hours a day on end and and not knowing if I'm gonna get sick or not. Yeah, you know, like I said. So as much as you were afraid some days to go out to work, it was at least you got to see someone else and talk yeah. to somebody else. You know, um, you, you just saw people, I mean, like, sanitizing everything. Um, you know, and, and, and people, like I said, that like, mentally they're just not going to come out of this ever again. You know, and it, it's it's sad to see it. Yeah. You know, but like I said, at some point I'll, I'll decompress this and, and work over what happened. Um, there was definitely some callousness on my end. Um conversations i had with people that i cut them short or didn't want to talk to them and yeah you know and i hope they understand it it was what it was and because it was for me to like survive yeah like i i i did get really tunneled visioned for the first like four months yeah and it was just like my job was get out come home shower and like relax yeah you know and i said like it took me yeah it had to be like end of may beginning of june was the first time like I even let my parents in on any type of knowledge of what was going on in the city. Yeah. You know, and my mom was worried and my dad was worried and it, you know, finally my dad was like, cut the shit. He's like, what, what's up? Yeah. And I was just like, well, like what you see on TV probably make it 60 times, 70 times worse. You know, like mm-hmm. I was like, it's, you know, but I said, you get really tunnel vision with a lot of that stuff and it was just go to work. And it's amazing what you be- can become used to. And what yeah. becomes normal, you know, I mean, like you said, some people just can't do it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. when you're lucky enough to where, like you said, it was almost not, that's a blessing that you had to work and go out into the world, but you at least had a familiar routine mm-hmm. and, and got to, if albeit from a distance, kind of interact with life outside of living inside a box. And I mean, dude, that's how, that's why I was like, so like not excited, excited is the wrong word. One of the reasons why I want to do this recording is just that perspective of just living because you live in beer, you know, you love it, yeah. you drink it, you work in it. That's where you exist. You're more than beer. You know, you're, well, you're 80% beer, 20%, whatever <laughs> the fuck that fucking barbecue bacon shit you make. That's the other 20% yes. of you, which I love so much and I've been eating the shit out of it. But uh, for those that don't know, Brad makes this like, I don't, what would you call it? Barbecue sauce? I don't even know what it is. It's a, an accompaniment to yeah, everything? It's, it's uh, I just call it um, bacon, bourbon, caramelized onion barbecue sauce. It's not barbecue sauce. It's I, I, <laughs> it, When you can eat it straight with a spoon, it's not barbecue sauce. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Brad I, brought me like. I've uh, seen people like drink a, it out of a cup. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. This weekend. Uh, yeah. It's like he brought me a liter of it and I'm hoarding it like the devil. Anyway. Um. That's why I want to have you on, man. I mean, yeah. just kind of talk about that aspect. And, like, it's it had to be crazy, but it's awesome to see kind of a light at the end of the tunnel and, and, and stuff starting to get... Again, it's not over. No one should say it's over. But to actually have that, you know, light at the end of the tunnel and just be, like, uh, hanging out and, and ripping some beers in person is, is goddamn fucking fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's just good to see... Just, I mean, friends that you haven't seen in a while. Like I said, um, there's still there's still a bunch of my friends that in other states that I haven't seen. And yeah, you're headed up uh, to PA right now. Yeah, like a year and a half, two years for some of these people. Um, but like even in the city, and just seeing like the the regulars coming back into a bar, you know, yeah. that you might not have seen like during the pandemic because maybe like they're one day out a week was different than your one day out or whatever it was, you know, because a lot of that's what people did. It was like, if they went out for groceries for the week, then they, they hit their bar for like takeout beers and then like hit or went to and bought like two fifteen packs and yeah. you wouldn't see them again. My, I'm laughing and it's totally not, has anything to do with what you're saying, but I just realized that the last time that we really spoke is like, can you build me a computer like a week before everything quadrupled in price and you couldn't buy yeah. anything? And then I, that's, and that's, and that's why I didn't build it. Cause it was just it like, was like, yeah, leading up to like, what is it? Right around Christmas, 2019, 
Brad wanted to build a new computer. It's like, I'll absolutely help you with that. I'm like, we'll do a really, we'll get, we'll hook you up and get a good deal on it. And it's like, everything's now a billion dollars. Enjoy. Yeah. And I'm like, People we didn't even, we stopped talking about it. We're like, yeah, this is not gonna... Oh, yeah. They, could, could, you gave me the price points. See if you can find this for this price. And I was just like, it's nowhere close to that price. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I don't even, and then what, the, the new gen uh, processors came out or whatever, like the graphic well, cards. Yeah, you can't even buy them. And, so. and you're just, and you're like, you're like, sold out like a day later. You're like, yeah, you're not getting that. <laughs> Unless you're spending like $15,000, you're not getting one. I'm like, oh, okay, that's, I want a $15,000. I put these uh, fancy stories of cheap awesomeness in your head. I actually bought, I kind of regretted building a new gaming computer until I actually bought it and then and, and like less than a year later now everything is like quadruple price. I'm like, I kind of had good timing on that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, man. Um, plug, plug, how do people find you? What do they follow you? Where, where, do you still do the Instagrams and all that kind of fun stuff? Yeah, it's uh, Brooklyn Beer Bear. Okay. On Instagram, uh, that's all I really do. Uh, haven't really used Untapped in years. Mm -hmm. um, Me neither, brother. Yeah, I, I don't know if it was just a mirror up to my face on my alcoholism, <laughs> just like you know. But uh, yeah, just usually Instagram. I said Brooklyn Beer Bear, uh, or if you see me in the streets of New York, you know Jonesy working for Blue Point. There you go. Uh, you know, I'm gonna plug a couple people because I yeah you know, do it like, too. Uh, they deserve it. Shane. Carmine Street Beers. Carmine, Carmine Street Beers. Uh, if you're in New York City, you gotta do yourself a favor. You gotta get to the fucking place. I it, concur. It's, it's just, it's a family that runs a great what business. Is it, a block it, and a half away from the Tiger. Yeah, they're like two, three blocks apart. Yeah. So right by the Blind Tiger, it's on 52A Carmine Street. But like, you know, I, I want to plug out also the Blue Point family and all my coworkers and and shit like that. Like, I mean. We, we got it, through it together. It was tough. It was shitty at times. It, times that you wanted to kill each other. You know, um, but here we are. You know, looking forward to maybe a cast fest coming soon. I know. That'd be, that'd be amazing. Um, you know, I think we had live music at the brew pub for the first time in a while. Like, That's awesome. Yeah, so like I said, starting to get there. Um, Union Beer, those guys are awesome. Um the guys I work with, like, they work their ass off through this thing. And, you know, they support my brand be better than I can ever do. Like, uh, I, I, I'm, I think my territory is 2,300 accounts. Yeah, there's no way I see that. But the guys that I work with and the girls that I work with, uh, they they really get out there and they push our brand and, and everything like that. And not just our brand, but, like, hundreds of other brands. You know, and that that's what's awesome about like a wholesaler that really gets behind product and really pushes it and knows what they're doing, you know, because I've been with wholesalers or I have friends that have been with wholesalers where your product goes to die, mm -hmm. you know, and, and they don't support your brand. So to, to be lucky enough to be working with some of these people that, that are just out there doing the same thing I'm doing and, you know, even better than what I'm doing. There's some just kick-ass females out there, some kick-ass guys that are just, doing the work and making sure that New York City has beer. And hopefully, like I said, this conversation a year from now is going to be completely different about how this, the city's fully back. Yeah. And, and, like, concerts are back. and To look back yeah. on it and be like, I lived through that shit. Like, I didn't even think about it because, you know, i got a son now. And it's just like, to yeah. be like, you know, old enough and be like, you lived through that? Like, that was crazy, you know? And it's, uh, like, not something to be proud of, but, you know, it's just, you know, for it to be as, as dim as it was at a certain extent and to, to be able to sit here across the table from you and drink a beer and, and, and just, it's just awesome. You know yeah. what I mean? Just to kind of get back towards some semblance of normalcy and, and whatever, whether it be, you know, just friendship wise or beer friendship wise, I, uh, in any, any spectrum is fucking awesome. Yeah. I said, I'm very happy to be here and I'm, uh, it's just been great to see you. Like Saturday was awesome. Yeah. We had a blast. Yeah. And, can't wait for more of that. Can't wait for more of just like hanging out and just bullshitting and seeing the people that I haven't seen in a while. And I can't wait to come to New York, dude. Yeah. It's been so long, man. I can't wait to get back there. I mean, like last time, I, what? What did we do? What was that? Damn it. You we were, we you did the bottle share at Carmine, then we went to Other Half, then we went to Folk's Beer. Yeah, and then we drank in the subway. You interviewed you interviewed Torch and Crown. Torch and Crown, who they're been, they've actually killed it through the fucking pandemic. It yeah, they've been doing like, well because they were. I mean, they had the worst timing in the history of time. They were like, "Hey, we're gonna open." <laughs> Not oh, yeah. happening. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah. it seems like they've really pounded powered through it. And I can't wait to get back there and chug a couple beers and just. That 
Get shitty in Brooklyn, man. So that, that's one thing like I, I want to touch on, and I have a couple um, accounts that fall into this category. There was there was ones that were younger, less than a year before the pandemic, and th- they did some of the best jobs uh, of pivoting and like really getting their business to where it is now, where like they're coming out stronger than what they were, but like I think it was like they weren't tied to. 20 years of tradition or like fan base that that would be like oh well, why did you change this or why did you change that it was like they were newer and they could just get out there and be like this is working let's go after this yeah yeah and i like i said there's a there's a few out there and i think like torture crown might be one of them too like that just it helped yeah yeah in the grand scheme of things if you talk to their accountant mm-hmm. and their financial you know financial and they'd be like no it didn't help but you know to 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 survive and build build through that and then build and then come out strong on the other end of things. You almost, you're almost bulletproof, not bulletproof, but as close as you can be in the beer and restaurant business to being bulletproof. Hey, let's open the first real brewery in Brooklyn or Manhattan, sorry. And then not do anything for a whole year. Just, yeah, just (laughs) take a year off for no, you know what I mean? Like they had to hit the round, hit the ground running with sales. They had to wait pretty much a whole year to sell a goddamn beer out of that place. Yeah, I so said you're, you're gonna. It's gonna take you a while to recoup financial loss. Yeah, but but, but if you come out and you're still functioning and yeah. like and your day to day is good from you're here on out, in the, like, you're a keystone yeah. in that area. You, yeah. You're you're gonna build that 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 relationship with the people yeah. that are around and like you're gonna build that business. Like so, yeah, it might take you two years to recover financially to actually make that but money it'll, up. It'll pay way more. In the yeah. End. yeah, yeah. Like I said, it, in the end, it's everyone that comes through this is gonna be stronger. That's awesome, dude. Yeah. Cheers, man. Thank you for stopping by, Brett. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Okay.